What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out and do my best to help you navigate those tricky times in life whenever our Catholic faith doesn't always give that easy fill-in-the-blank answer on how to continue your personal walk toward eternity. On this show, we will listen to one another, pray with each other, and do our best to accompany each other as we become the saints that God desires us to be. Uh, I can't always promise you that the answers that I will provide are going to be easy to swallow, but I can guarantee you that they come from a place of deep prayer and pondering before I ever respond to any of the questions. So on the show, we cover everything. If it's your first time listener, we cover everything from uh, apologetics to Catholic morality, church teaching, uh, dating and relationship advice, and pretty much anything you want to talk about. It's uh, nothing's off limits. Um, maybe maybe some things are off limits. I don't know. But we try to talk about as much as we can on this podcast. And the goal is, again, to help each other, help each other to just walk freely toward Jesus Christ and the kingdom of heaven as saints. So if you're a first time listener, here's how the show goes. I will respond to two, three, four questions per episode that you email me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. After I respond to those questions, you have an opportunity to shoot me your feedback again at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com to let me know if my advice was at all helpful or what else you would like to talk about. You can also criticize me, critique me and challenge me because guess what? I am not perfect. I am not infallible. I am not Jesus. I am a very broken, imperfect priest who just simply loves Jesus and loves you as well. I desire to, to do what's best for you, but I can't always promise that my advice will be that which is best, but I, I will try. Uh, please also rate and review us on iTunes. This helps more people discover the podcast and it helps other people see what we're about. And it could potentially be a gift to them in their walk toward eternity as well. Before we get started, though, um, I want to let you know what are the topics going to be on today's show. Today, we're going to talk about a number of very different things. We're going to talk about the morality or immorality of watching the hit show Game of Thrones. We're also going to um, give some parental advice to a, a parent whose 21-year-old son has left the Catholic Church, and I'm also going to share with you how I... And my family handled me becoming a priest. That's one of the questions. They want to know how did my family handle me becoming a priest? And, and what about them, especially if they are an only child and they want to be a priest, but their parents are worried about grandchildren. So we have, have a show today that is going to be very, very broad. Uh, but before we get into those topics, hot topics, uh, we are going to talk about a glory story. Uh, this this week's glory story comes from a priest friend of mine in Lafayette. Have you ever heard that uh, Broadway, Hamilton? There, there's a song on there. He goes, Lafayette. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. It's my ADD kicking in. So in Lafayette, there's a really cool priest. He's super holy. And he was sharing a story recently about a, a, a woman who her, her son, her son passed away. She was a single mother. It was her only child. And, and she would go to the graveyard and she would just grieve every day. It was such a terrible pain for her to lose her son. And so she was at the graveyard crying every single day. And, and the priest would watch her from the rectory, which is the, the house of the priest on the campus of the church. 
And one day, a young pregnant woman came to the priest, and she was in an abusive relationship. And she said, Father, I don't have anywhere to go. I'm in this terrible relationship. I need somewhere to hide. And so the priest, he actually went to the woman in the cemetery, and he said, listen, there's this girl. She's here on campus. She's pregnant, abusive relationship. Can you please take her in? She needs somewhere to go. She needs somewhere to stay. It's just an unhealthy situation for her right now. And the woman was like, yeah, Father, not today. Not today, right? Uh, I'm still grieving over my son. I don't have time to take care of anybody else. I can't take care of myself right now. I'm experiencing all this pain in my heart. No, Father, I cannot do it. The priest was, he was relentless, though. He persevered in asking this this woman over and over again. And finally, she she consented and she said, okay, just this one time, I'll let this woman and uh, and her unborn baby come and live with me. And so the woman allowed this young girl and her, her baby into her home. And at the end of this woman's life, she had accepted over a thousand unwed pregnant women into her home. And she was filled with joy. She was filled with this, this overflowing joy because she wasn't just focusing on herself anymore and her pain. Was her pain real? Yes, but all of our pain is real. That doesn't mean that we should dwell on it all day long. Right? Nothing, nothing good can come from just navel gazing is, is what I like to call it. Uh, I heard a speaker one time say at a conference, uh, the sun is real <laughs> outside, but we don't dwell at the sun. We don't gaze at the sun because if we did, we would hurt ourselves. It's likewise, our problems are also real and it's not healthy to spend hours upon hours a day dwelling on our own problems. We're called to go out of ourselves for other people. The way Jesus on the cross went out of himself for other people. When he was being crucified, he was experiencing real pain, but he was focused on his father in prayer, his mother who was there before him, forgiving the people persecuting him. He was all about going outside of self for the good of other. And that's what this woman did whose son passed away. She began to take care of all these women and their unborn children. And because she went out of herself and served other people, she felt peace for the first time in her life. And so I want to encourage you, if you're going through something right now in this season of your life, if you're experiencing some serious pain, I just want to encourage you and invite you to to not to not dwell on it, to not gaze on it. Is it real? Yes. Is it going to be real in, in the next hour or so? It most certainly will be. And is, is it still going to be there tomorrow? There's a good chance it will be. Um, but See if you can go out of yourself to serve someone else in our community, to pray for someone else in our community who also is suffering, who's going through it. If you have a soup kitchen in your in your town, go and visit the soup kitchen or a woman's shelter or, or a crisis pregnancy center. If there's a place where you can go to help um, kids study after school, just find something to go out of yourself to serve other people because we were not created to to just dwell on, on our own lives, but we were created to make a gift of ourselves for the good of our, of our community. So that's, that's my glory story this week. And, and hopefully that might be a gift to you if, if you're going through it right now, and we all know what that means to be going through it. Uh, but that's, that's the gift too. If we're going through it, we're passing through. Don't worry in heaven, everything will be redeemed. On to the show. All right. I'm, I'm kind of excited about this first question. This first question comes from Michael, and it's about Game of Thrones. He says this, Father Josh, 
Is it immoral to watch Game of Thrones? I have several Catholic friends who watch this show and claim that despite the explicit sex, nudity, innuendos, and violence, their spiritual life is not impacted. Most of them don't even fast forward through these scenes. They claim the storyline is completely worth it. While I don't argue with the exciting plot, I think watching this, especially as a Catholic, is immoral. It is basically pornography and it promotes the objectification of people. In short, the end does not justify the means. Am I being too picky or as Catholics, should we be more careful about the TV shows and movies that we watch? Michael, that is a great question. Uh, I think I think this is a, an excellent way to start off today's show. Michael, I'm going to be honest with you, brother. I've never, in fact, seen a single episode of Game of Thrones. So whenever I got your question and before I took it to prayer, I just Googled about the show so I can kind of have an idea of what the show is about. And I think what I can share with you are some basic principles that can help you discern um, what is good for you and what is bad or what is good for for all Catholics potentially and what is bad for for all Catholics in general. And so I think a discernment tool that we can use when it comes to any TV show, any movie, any music that we're listening to, any books that we're reading are two questions. The discernment tools are based on two questions. Number one, whenever I read this book, whenever I listen to this music, whenever I watch this movie, when I take part in this particular recreation activity, what virtues, what good habits are being instilled in me while watching, while reading, while listening to this, whatever this may be, you fill it in the blank. Well, good habits come from it. And then the next question is, uh, are there any vices? Are there any bad habits that are the fruit of me listening to this particular song, reading this particular book, or watching this particular television show or movie? Good habits, bad habits, virtues, and vices. I think this is a good discernment tool. So since I can't speak uh, specifically to Game of Thrones because I've never seen it, uh, I will speak about music, and then we will see if it applies to Game of Thrones. Whenever I was uh, growing up, there was a rapper. His name was Ludacris. He's still out right now. Uh, he's he's a very talented rapper and actor. But there was a song that he had, and anytime I would listen to it, it would always have this effect on me <laughs> where I would want to fight people. And I'm not an angry person. I'm not a violent person. If you If you know me, you know I'm pretty chill. But have you ever had that happen where you listen to a song and it has this effect on your your imagination, on your emotions? So he had the song out and uh, the, I'll say the lyrics that I can say because it's very explicit. But he says, oh, no, fights out. I'm about to knock your lights out. And then the chorus, he's like, move, bleep, get out the way, get out the way, curse word, get out the way. So it was a very uh, explicitly violent song. And and every time I, I heard this song, my emotions would would take over. And if there was somebody that maybe I had beef with, somebody that I wasn't particularly cool with at that moment, if they came to my imagination, I wanted to fight them. Like I wanted to straight up throw down. And it was crazy because if the song before was something that was like more like a slow dance song, I didn't want to fight anybody. 
But the second this song came on in the club or at the party or whatever, it, it instilled this desire within me to want to fight. Music has that, that potential to affect us. It, it's very powerful. Right? There are some songs that we can listen to and they make us, uh, they inspire us to want to be good, to want to be virtuous, to want to be holy, to want to go deeper with Jesus, to, to be a good human being. And there are other songs that can elicit lustful thoughts in our imagination about other people, that can elicit anger and wrath in us toward other people or toward ourselves. There are some songs that we listen to and they make us depressed the second we hear them. Uh, hashtag Adele, right? Uh, that's why I try to stay away from Adele's music. As good as her voice is, I get so depressed when I listen to her. So if music can do this, and as can books, right? We read books and sometimes books are so explicit uh, that, that all of a sudden they uh, enable us to visualize things that might not be what's best for us, but might you know, draw us to objectify people. Those are books that we should probably be reading. Right? Some people might say, well, the Bible has sex in it and the Bible has violence and the Bible has these crazy stories. Yeah, but it doesn't go into detail, so much detail that it can elicit uh, thoughts that aren't helpful to me loving my neighbor and serving my neighbor and loving my God, and serving my God. So if this applies to music and the books, I would say the same thing applies to, to the movies that we, we watch and the television shows that we subscribe to. Do these shows cultivate virtue in my heart? Or do they cultivate bad habits? Is the fruit of me watching Game of Thrones objectifying someone at any point? Uh, is, is, is the fruit of me watching Game of Thrones um, having violent thoughts about other people? Um, is, it, is it virtue or vice that comes from it? And I think in general, uh, the fruit of a show like Game of Thrones, because of the explicit nudity, so I hear from the articles I've been reading, uh, I think that it would elicit vice and not virtue. Um, so I think that that might be a discernment tool for you is to pay attention to that and, and prioritize those Recreation activities, whether they're reading or music or movies, prioritize the ones that are conducive to helping you cultivate virtue and just try to avoid the ones that aren't. Avoid the near occasions of vice. Um, if it's a potential for you to be in vice or other people to cultivate bad habits, it's probably not what's best for us. So that would be my advice is, is discern Game of Thrones and everything else via virtue and vice. So I hope that was helpful. Michael, please let me know. How can you let me know? By shooting me an email at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. And let me know your thoughts. Do you have any additional advice for Michael as he discerns the morality of Game of Thrones? If you do, also shoot me a message at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know and we can talk about it on a future episode. All right. We're about to go on a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into our final two questions, one about a mother whose 21-year-old son has left the faith, and the other one about discernment and answering the call to the priesthood and how to deal with family and their response to that. See you when we get back. Thank you. 
And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascension presents. That's youtube.com slash ascension presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back. Just a a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. And if you're feeling fancy, record a voice note and send it to me as well. We can play it on the show. And do not forget to to rate and review us on iTunes to help other people find out about the show and potentially be a gift for them and their walk to Jesus Christ, our Savior. All right. Our next question comes from a parent, a young mother. Patricia says this. What would be your advice on how to reach my 21 year old son who has left the church, the Catholic faith? Patricia, you are not alone if you, if you are feeling the ache, the ache of your child leaving the faith. Uh, so what do I have to say? Uh, just, just to give you hope, Patricia, I left the Catholic Church at one point in my walk with God. I left the Catholic Church for about two and a half uh, years, almost three years. And I'm a priest right now. One time a, a priest gave a homily and he said, uh, he said, hey, I want to invite everyone who has ever left the church to please raise your hand. And then they, they raised their hands. And he said, and raise your hand if you are now back in the church as an intentional disciple. And a number of those same people raised their hands. And then the priest said, mothers, there's your hope, right? There's your hope. And so I want to first affirm that, that God is calling you to have hope, Patricia, you are not the first mother whose son left the faith. Uh, you won't be the last one, but there are many mothers who have preceded you in their walk toward eternity, and their wisdom might be a gift. The first mother I want to bring out is St. Monica, whose son, St. Augustine, he was a wild, wild boy for a long time, and he was doing some crazy things that were not ultimately fulfilling him. But Monica never gave up praying. She prayed for her son, Patricia, your prayers are so powerful. Even if you don't see the fruit of your prayers in this life, please trust that your prayers are so powerful and necessary for the conversion of your son back to the church that Jesus Christ founded. I want to encourage you to never stop interceding for your son. Uh, There's a woman named Blessed Elizabeth Lisieux, whose husband was an atheist, and she prayed for her husband every day. She prayed for him all the time, and she never saw a conversion. She ended up dying. She passed away, and she didn't see the fruit of her prayers. But after she passed away, she did see the fruit of her prayers because he found a journal. He found some, some letters that she wrote him. He ended up going to Lourdes, and after he came back from Lourdes, he had this powerful conversion, and he became a Catholic priest. So, She didn't see the conversion happen in her lifetime, but she certainly saw the conversion from the perspective of heaven. There's also a priest named Blessed Charles de Foucault, who founded religious communities in Saudi Arabia and over on that side of the world. And he didn't see a lot of the fruit from the amount of time and energy put into his founding of his religious orders. But but once he died, uh, I think five communities came from his rule of life. Five different communities, religious communities, uh, came from his rule. So uh, be faithful to prayer. 
that's the very first thing I want to encourage you to do. Offer up your masses, offer up fasting, offer up sacrifices for the conversion of your, of your son. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is be a joyful witness. Be a joyful witness to how your Catholic faith draws you closer to Jesus and how Jesus fulfills the deepest desires of your heart. I think uh, joy is one of the most underrated tools that we have as Catholics. Be joyful. Be a joyful witness. One of my good friends, he converted to the Catholic Church because he, he saw uh, another disciple's joy. He saw this person who was going to daily mass and going to adoration and going to confession all the time and living a sacramental life and trying to cultivate a life of virtue. This person wasn't sleeping around or doing drugs and doing everything that at this time, this particular friend of mine, him and his friends were doing. And when he saw this other person's witness and the joy this person had from living a virtuous life, a life of grace, he longed for that joy because he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy being away from the sacraments. And so he ended up converting to the church and became an intentional disciple of Jesus, all because of someone else's joy. So the first thing I would say is be prayerful, Patricia. And uh, the second thing is be joyful. And every time you talk to your son, uh, make it part of a normal conversation. Say if you talk to him once a week and he asks you about your week, say, yeah, you know, I went to the grocery store. I saw so-and-so. Uh, then I and I went to Mass. Oh, man, Mass was so good. It was just, man, I just, it was so awesome to be able to worship God. And I just, I, it, it helped me to to want to go out of myself to serve others the way that God goes out of himself to serve me. Then after that, I, I went to the movies and went for a walk and cooked dinner. And then that was pretty much my weekend right there. Right? Make it part of a normal conversation where you just slip in the Mass. You slip in your rosary. You slip in whatever you've done um, that week. And then after you kind of slip it in, always mention how it was the, the light of your day. It was the highlight of your day. And so that's what I want to encourage you to do is to pray for your son and to be joyful in conversation. And then third and finally, invite him. It can't hurt to invite him back to Mass. Uh, you can't force him to go back to Mass because love doesn't force. Love doesn't, love doesn't impose but you can most certainly propose to him, hey, it would mean a lot to me if you come to Mass with me this week. It would mean a lot to me if you pray a rosary with me this week. It would mean a lot to me if you pray with me this week. And so if he says no, have no expectations. But you've expressed a desire, and that's good enough. So number one, pray. Number two, be joyful witness. Number three, invite. Invite him back. So that's my advice to you, Patricia, and um do not, do not be afraid. Do not worry. There's always hope. There's always a lot of hope. And if you need hope, just look at me. I left and I'm back and, uh, and I'm not the only one who left and came back. So there's that, Patricia. If you have any advice for Patricia, if you are a mother who's experienced a child who has left the faith, maybe you might have some tips that might be helpful to Patricia. So send them to me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know your thoughts as well. All right, on to our final question for the day. John asks, how did your family handle you becoming a priest? What about if you were an only child and your parents were hoping for grandchildren? 
Couldn't it seem selfish for you to ignore what they want to pursue what you want? How would you deal with disappointing them? That is a, a awesome question, John. Uh, first of all, because typically in my experience, whenever I've walked with men and women who are discerning the priesthood and religious life, their biggest obstacle isn't their friends. The biggest obstacle typically are the parents. So that was actually my case. How did my family handle me becoming a priest? Whenever I first felt called to discern the priesthood in the seminary, I told my mom and dad, and they both discouraged me from going to the seminary. And they did not discourage me because uh, they had a disdain for the priesthood or anything like that. But they discouraged me from going because they, they just wanted me to be happy. And they didn't know if I would be happy as a priest. They didn't know if I would be fulfilled as a priest. And so that's why they discouraged me. And so I, I held off for a year. And then the call would not go away. The more time I spent in prayer, the more I perceived Jesus inviting me to discern the priesthood. And so eventually I, I went to seminary. And when I went to seminary, my parents uh, both were huge supporters of my potential vocation to the priesthood. And after I was ordained, my dad, who's not even Catholic, my dad's Methodist, he would go off and tell everybody and their mama that his son was a Catholic priest. And he put my picture in the back of his car and yeah, so uh, it radically changed from when I first felt called and shared that with my parents to the day I was ordained. But a lot of times that's what it is, is parents, they just want their kids to be happy. And and so they might discourage their children from being priests or being religious because they don't think that one could be fulfilled. But the thing is, is we were created for God. Each and every single one of us, we have this infinite longing in our heart. And only the infinite God can, can fulfill that longing, can satiate that ache that all of humanity has, can quench that thirst. No finite person, place, or thing can do it for us. No ministry can satisfy us. No relationship, dating relationship can satisfy us. No job, no affirmation from another person or whatever. Nothing can, can, can fully do that for us because... Everything is finite except for God. And so if God is calling someone to priesthood or religious life, he is sufficient. God is enough. God will suffice. Right? He really is enough for us. We just have to let him be. The way that we let him be enough is, is through prayer, through that intimate time that we spend with the Lord in prayer. So I would certainly encourage you, John, if you are discerning priesthood right now or religious life, to prioritize intimacy with Jesus because no diocese is going to satisfy you. No parish church is going to satisfy you. No community, no whatever. It's just Jesus is the one who satisfies. And is this selfish to become a priest or religious uh, if you're an only child? John, that's another good question, but it comes down to what does Jesus want from, from you? What does Jesus want from me? Uh, if Jesus is asking you to be a saint through being a consecrated religious or through being a priest, then it can't be selfish because God's will is never a selfish thing. His, his will is always a generous self-donation for other people. So no, it's, it's not selfish at all, um, but it's God calling. And the only way we're going to know if God's calling is if we're rooted in prayer. There's a Jesuit priest He's passed away now. He, he at one point was the superior for the Jesuits. 
Uh, he said one time, there's nothing more practical than finding God, than falling in love in a quite absolute way. Fall in love, stay in love, and love will decide everything. Now, I'm about to butcher it because this is where I don't remember exactly word for word of the quote, but he says something like, love decides what gets you up in the morning, what time you go to bed at night, what breaks your heart, your heart, what gives you joy. Fall in love, stay in love, and love will decide everything. So I encourage you to fall in love with God. Fall in love with him and allow him to invite you. I became a priest not because I wanted to say mass, hear confessions, or preach homilies, or teach people catechesis. I became a priest because I fell in love with Jesus, and I perceived him invite me to discern the priesthood. I was in love. I was in love, and I perceived him invite me to marry the church. That's the only reason why I went to seminary, was because the love of my life invited me, or perceived the love of my life invite me. And I just wanted to make Jesus happy because he certainly made me happy. And so... Love is what decided the vocation. And love should decide all of our vocations. Mother Teresa one time said to her nuns, she said, I'm worried that some of you still have not heard the love of Christ, have not experienced him. Right? You do these ministries and you're serving people, but you don't know yourself. You haven't perceived it yourself. And so I think it's necessary for all of us to perceive his love. And if we're perceiving his love and in love, he invites us to do anything, whether it's this, the vocation of marriage or to be a consecrated single person or to be a priest or religious, then it is a gift. And a gift of God is never anything that is selfish. Another part of your question, though, John, you said, should you ignore what your parents want? No, don't ignore them. Have a conversation with them. But remember, even your parents are passing. They're finite. They're going to come today and be gone tomorrow. And so we should never allow them to dictate our walk toward eternity. We allow Jesus to be the one to invite us to the ways in which we will be the greatest saint we could potentially be and the the greatest saint not only for ourselves, but for our community, for other people. And so the last part of your question, John, is how would you deal with disappointing them? Well, you know what? Uh, I don't know because I don't know your parents. Everybody deals with things differently. (laughs) So I would just let them know I love them, but I got to do what I got to do. And one last point. Going to seminary to discern a vocation to priesthood is not saying you're going to be a priest. It's saying you're going to go to the place that's most conducive to finding out. I cannot tell you how many guys go to seminary and don't get ordained. A lot, all right? But the seminary is really the only place that's conducive to find out. A lot of girls go to religious communities, and just because they enter religious communities does not mean they're going to be a bride of Christ forever. They might go in for a couple of years and through that place of prayer with that community and working with that community, they are able to discern, is this how Jesus Christ is calling me to be a saint or not? So um, I would encourage you, if you at least think you might be called, to, to take that jump and to go find out in the place that's conducive, which is seminary or if you're a woman, religious life, and, uh, and just trust that love will decide everything. Just fall in love with Jesus, prioritize loving him, and and he'll do everything else for you. So if you have any additional advice for Jonathan, please send it to me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know what your thoughts that might be helpful to him and his season of discernment. All right, so uh, that brings us to the end of today's show. Regardless of what your circumstances are, here are some things that I think everyone can take away from today's question. First of all, Let love decide, right? Love decides everything. Let love be the thing that draws you to whatever you're going to do, whatever ministry you're going to participate in, 
whatever vocation you're going to actively, the state of life vocation, you're going to actively discern, allow it to flow from your loved relationship with Jesus. Allow it to flow from an intimate place of encounter with the Lord. Everything should flow from that relationship. What about Game of Thrones? A universal point that can be drawn from the media that we that we listen to or watch, the recreation activities that we participate in, is focus on what virtues are being cultivated when I watch this, listen to this, or read this, and or what vices what bad habits are the fruit of me watching this TV show and movie, reading this book, or listening to this song? If bad habits are the fruit, then they are not good for me and probably for other people as well. And if you are struggling with someone that you love who has left the faith, then pray for them, be a joyful witness, and invite them to come back. Oh, one more point. Ask them why they left. Ask them, my bad, that'll be a whole nother show. So next time we have this kind of conversation, I'll bring up the gift of asking people why they left because everybody leaves for different reasons and we don't ever want to assume why they, why they left. But yeah, be joyful, be prayerful, and be inviting. Be inviting for them to come back to the church and most importantly, to the bridegroom of the church, to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of this day, the gift of this podcast, and the gift of each person who has listened to today's show, I ask that you just send forth your blessing over them, speak to them, and draw them to your voice, draw them to your face so that they may fall in love with you in this life, stay in love with you, and abide in you in the kingdom of heaven for all eternity. We ask this prayer, Father God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. All right, well, that's the show for today. Again, hit me up at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. And do not forget to rate us and review us on iTunes so more people can find out about the show. And I cannot wait to be back with you next week. God bless.